It's time for John Paul, the car doctor, on North Shore 1049. Call today with your car questions, comments, or concerns. 1-800-370-1049. That's 1-800-370-1049. John Paul, the car doctor. Saturday morning, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Car Doctor program on North Shore 1049. My name is John Paul, the Car Doctor here to help you with your car problems on this Saturday morning. And uh, it appears as if summer has returned to Massachusetts. Last week, winter was here. Uh, summer's back, right, Biff? Oh, boy, is it ever. What a difference a week makes, John. Woo! <laughs> yeah, goodness, I last last I... week, uh, I was sitting here, sideways rain, 40 degrees. Uh, 50 mile per hour winds, and now, oh, it's going to approach 90 today. Yeah, yeah. Last last week we were helping people with their uh, heater heater problems in their cars, and this week we'll probably be talking to people about their air conditioning. About AC, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. So you know, you never know. Hey, um, we have. I think we have a really interesting program coming up today. Um, you know, when it comes to electric cars. Uh, I I like electric cars. I was a I was a real early adopter of an electric car. It was frankly it was a terrible electric car. It was a Renault Le Car that was converted by a company out in Acton, Massachusetts, the U.S. Electric Car Company. Uh, it used a uh, it used a, a GE aircraft generator that was actually the motor connected up to the four speed transmission that was in the Renault. Powered by 16 six-volt golf cart batteries, I'm pretty sure it had enough weight in it where even with the oversized Michelin tires on it, it probably outdid the weight limits of the tires. Um, and it would go about 50 miles an hour, maybe 60 on some days, and it would go about 50 miles between charges. And, and then electric cars sort of faded away, and all of a sudden they're back. But they're back and they're expensive. Well, with us on the phone is Will Grayland. He is the CEO of Indigo Technologies. And I think Will might have an answer to all this. Will, good morning and welcome to the Car Doctor program. Good morning. How are you? I'm good. Hey, um, it looks like, you know, when you look at even some of the simpler electric cars, uh, something like a a uh, Chevrolet Bolt or a Nissan Leaf they're in you know if you're going to buy one you're going to pay 40,000 plus dollars for one uh not everybody can take advantage of some of the rebates uh the the Model 3 Tesla um you know starts at 40 but everybody who buys one seems to spend 50 or so um you guys seem like you have, might have an answer to this we certainly hope so. And uh, we think one of the biggest problems in electric cars these days is they're following, and I've been an electric car advocate as well for a very long time, starting with the Chevy Volt back then in, uh, I think it was 2009, if you recall. Mm -hmm. And then um, 2012, I was one of the first ones to get a um, Tesla Model S, sight unseen. And, um, but the issues with today's electric cars, uh, cars in general is that they're all so heavy. The average car weighs about 4,000 pounds. The average electric car today actually costs more than the average, um, ICE vehicle, uh, internal mm -hmm. combustion engine vehicle. And when they weigh that much, they have to carry 
a lot of weight that is really not the payload itself. So if you think about a 4,000-pound vehicle, average people like us who are driving around are less than 200 pounds, and, and you're talking 95% of the energy used is in, um, in actually carrying around the carcass. So mm. why are vehicles so heavy? And partially it's because, uh, you know, our suspensions are really tuned to having the level of comfort of sprung mass versus unsprung mass. And when you have to carry this much, you know, electric cars today are just an extension of the ICE vehicles that we have, and average weight is about the same. But when you have to carry that much weight, you have to carry a big battery. And that big battery is the most expensive part of an electric car. So now the problem is if we wanted to go lighter and have a light vehicle, none of us actually want to feel like we're riding on a golf cart going, especially going 75 miles an hour on the freeway. Right. So that's the conundrum that we're in. And, and we at Indigo actually invented a technology called the robotic wheels. And for the first time ever, we're integrating an active suspension, electric suspension system with the propulsion system built right into the wheel for no additional cost. So what that means is you can have a electric motor and electric suspension that creates a magic carpet ride, no matter how light or how um, how light the vehicle is, you can still have that really smooth, um, what we call the magic carpet ride. So that yeah. makes vehicles, we can have it one third the weight of the average vehicles uh, that are out there. That means one third the battery that's required. Obviously that means much lower cost, much less lithium you have to put in there, lithium right. you have to mine, and still create a really uh, cost-effective and efficient, ultra-efficient vehicle. And your, your two prototype vehicles, um, really look like they're designed kind of around the gig economy whether you're you know delivering uber eats or you're a lyft driver um the vehicles look like it's a single seat front seat with two seats in the back for passengers is that right that's uh, that's correct we decided to create a um a vehicle that's super efficient from a fuel economy and cost of vehicle but we also figure that the first great application that we want to serve is this explosion of delivery, uh, whether it's our grocery, um, whether it is food, packages, or people. So as you know, that's been ramping up, especially with COVID the last year, and it's oh, not sure, going yeah. back. So the folks that are using their own vehicles that are out there are averaging somewhere around 25 miles to the gallon, which is huge amount of uh, carbon emission, very mm -hmm. expensive for them from a fuel economy standpoint. And what we wanted to do was create an ultra-efficient vehicle that is 200 plus MPGE versus 25 miles per gallon. And that means we really lower the cost per mile for them. And we also wanted to have something that's super efficient for them. That's why we designed the center seat so that we can have sliding doors on each side and allows you to double park if you're delivering packages and um, slide a door open without clipping bicyclists on one side or mm -hmm. without getting you clipped trying to get out the driver's side while you're double parked. So more safety, more efficiency, and focused on 
uh, what we call the gig economy workers. Yeah. Now, are these vehicles that are going to be purchased, leased, or is it going to be something like Zipcar where you get a vehicle when you need it? We wanted to make them available for purchase, lease, or what we call the subscription model, okay. meaning that um, we want drivers to be able to afford it. As you know, the average gig economy worker and driver, um, they're not the people that have a lot of capital to afford a nice car for them to drive in. Mm-hmm. So many of them have the time, they have the work ethic, they want to, to earn the extra income, but um, unfortunately, uh, the cars that they're driving are not only uh, gas guzzlers, um, they also, you know, when you talk about the depreciation, they also wear down, they also have um, higher maintenance costs. And the other big issue a lot of people don't fully appreciate is the insurance cost. Insurance cost, not only for the drivers themselves to cover their, their own um, driving, but also the insurance cost when it comes to the gig economy, uh, what we call transportation network and delivery network companies that they have to pay. So when you add all of that up, it's 50 some odd cents per mile or more. And our goal is to be able to better understand um, the drivers and help them get into a vehicle. If they're a good driver, they should be able to afford a vehicle to work without having a big down payment for a lease or big down payment to purchase. Yeah, I know back before Volkswagen and Dieselgate, uh, Volkswagen had a program where, and they were trying to sell their diesel vehicles, so diesel Jettas and the sport wagons and so forth, and they would contract with Uber drivers to sort of take the monthly payment right out of their Uber account. So they could get into the business with a new car which satisfied or 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 relatively new used car that would satisfy all the automobile rules at Uber, but the payments would come out automatically. And so then there was there was a lot less having to worry about putting that capital up front or going to get a loan. Uh, it was all done automatically. Is this also something in your plan book at some point? We're not sure yet if we can um, to do that kind of a deduction yeah. from the companies that they work from. But what mm-hmm. we can do is to make sure that they can get into a vehicle and be able to rent um, without that kind of a big down payment and let them have the flexibility whether they want to, um, we can call it subscribe, uh, mm-hmm. subscribe for a shift uh, because they have, you know, an extra uh, time in between or they wanted to subscribe for a week or a month. We want to give them the flexibility. But the most important thing about giving someone flexibility is uh, to be able to um, help them build up their own driving score, um, mm-hmm. their own um behavior score basically so if you're a good worker if you're a safe driver yes we're happy to to um let you have uh, access to the tools for you to work um as much as possible and the the other part when it comes to an electric car is recharging and you know tesla you know built their own supercharging stations uh some of the other 
car makers, Cadillac is partnering with EVgo or somebody uh, to with the new Cadillac Lyric. I think uh, Ford with the Mustang Mach-E has a mm-hmm. uh, has a charging system uh, set up. Are you guys looking at um, you have you have some pretty unique um, charging system capabilities too, right? Yes, the biggest benefit that we provide for from a charging perspective is that because we are so efficient, we're talking three times more efficient, um, and having a much smaller battery that's lighter weight, we can let you charge in these level two charging infrastructure. You probably see them all over the city. Yep. Uh, mm-hmm. People are, uh, you know, uh, putting those in. Those are called level two, which means about 10 kilowatts or so of, um, of power output. Most Teslas, like myself, it would take many, many hours to go and charge up my Tesla because it's so heavy. For us, you can actually sit in one of those level two chargers and top up 67, you know, plus miles per hour while you're having a lunch break you got plenty that you can charge um you can charge up and do the rest of your um, afternoon's trip even if you forgot to charge the night before so our vehicles are 200 plus miles of range but we allow you to have much faster charging in Mm. standard level two chargers that are all over and as you know those level two chargers represents about 84 85 percent of the charging infrastructure today and they're only going to grow because to set up a supercharger is very very expensive it could be hundreds of thousands of dollars just to set up a uh, you know a supercharging infrastructure mm-hmm. versus a few hundred dollars to you know set up a um, uh, a level two charger so level two are going to explode and uh, the government is going to uh, be able to put more on there so we want to leverage the level two charging infrastructure make it much faster to charge in those versus traditional EVs. And your company just, uh, if I read it correctly, received a, a pretty sizable amount of capital to to continue on. Um, when when do you see vehicles going into production? Our goal is to work with some of the OEM and the um, contract manufacturing partners to produce these vehicles and have, we'll have prototypes by the end of the year for the Alpha, what we call the Alpha. Mm-hmm. And our goal is to have the Alpha into what's called SOP, start of production, by either late next year or the early part of 2023. And uh, and those are going to start out, the Alpha is really meant for more of the delivery pods, you know, for mm-hmm. Amazon Flex, yep. DoorDash, uh, Uber Eats, and so forth. So we're going to be focusing on the first vehicle um, in with SOP at the uh, probably the beginning of 2023, uh, late 2022. Now, I was looking at a, a small electric vehicle. It was technically a motorcycle because it only had three wheels, and it had doors, and it showed you know people doing deliveries with them and all kinds of stuff. But it didn't have heat or air conditioning. Is this going to be a, a, a vehicle that people are going to get in and say, oh, it's different, but it has everything that I've grown accustomed to inside my vehicle? Yes. Our goal is to be able to have a vehicle that um, has as much room as a standard four-door sedan. 
And uh, so the first vehicle is an Alpha, which is a three robotic wheel system. And then we have a Bravo that's coming. Um, and that's a four robotic wheel system. We call it the micro limo. And that particular solution um, will be either late 2023 um, in terms of SOP. Um, or, you know, we'll have some prototypes, of, of course, next year um, with, with that version. And that version, um, people will feel and see it as, as a, you know, a traditional four-wheel vehicle, except we're just going to make it more comfortable for ride hail, ride ship. But the three-wheeler also will have HVAC and will have heat, cooling, plenty of room inside, about 56 cubic feet of uh, space, as much as the well, Chevy Volt. Will that be categorized as a motorcycle, or is it just a three-wheel car? So all of the three-wheel vehicles today are categorized as an autocycle. So okay. they, don't, um, they don't have the, the four-wheel um, requirements, but they are categorized as an autocycle. So, but it's going to feel like a car inside. Technically, yeah. but, but <laughs> technically, in Massachusetts, you're going to need to wear a helmet. No, no, no helmet required. Nope. It's oh, fully okay. enclosed. Oh, okay. You've seen some three wheel vehicles that are open, right? Yep. Uh, either because they're out there for fun, and um, they're they're really more um, they feel more like you know you're on a three wheel motorcycle. Right. right. For our vehicle, you really feel like you're in a car. In fact. Uh, because of the robotic wheels that we have, you feel like you're in a very smooth riding car with extremely good handling. When you're turning, the handling is absolutely exceptional based on the, the ability for us to control each corner with millisecond level precision and being able to you know, stiffen up when you need to, to turn and, um, and make it uh, really smooth across bumps and potholes. Yeah, it, it sounds it sounds like a fascinating vehicle. Where are the vehicles going to be assembled in the United States? Are they going to be assembled outside the country? I know that I know your 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 um, your some of your manufacturing is coming from China, but is, where will the vehicles actually be manufactured? They're going to be manufactured here in the United States, and we have some partners in Michigan right now that we're working with, um, and right now we're working. Uh, from an engineering standpoint, uh, with a company called Monroe and Associates. I don't know if you know Sandy Monroe. Mm -hmm. um, he's done a huge amount of uh, teardowns of you know the Model S, Model Three, Model Y, and all the you know the uh, the European manufacturers and so forth. So um, him and his team really understand the electric vehicles, and they're helping us with the engineering side. But we're also currently talking to a number of manufacturing, from light manufacturing two large, uh, even OEM brands that are very excited about where we're going in terms of supplying for the gig economy workers with this whole new class of robotic wheel-powered EVs. So we're going to have them manufactured here in the U.S. Sounds of course, we've got partners outside the U.S. as well. Yeah, uh, we have no, European partners that are talking yeah. to us and Asian partners for those uh, geographies. Yeah, no, it, it and and you know it sounds it sounds like you know you have um, you know Ferrari suspension inside a practical car, which makes which makes the, the like you said the car is going to be fun to drive. It's going to be practical. It's going to be economical. Uh, it's going to be safe. 
Um, and it's going to fit an exploding niche of workers right now that, that like you said, they're, they're spending, you know, 50 cents of every mile they're traveling on expenses and your car is going to help bring those costs down. So uh, certainly fascinating. Well, I want to thank you for taking some time out of your Saturday morning and joining us. And I hope you'll stay in touch and let us know when vehicles are starting to go into production or, you know, when job one is going to start and when, uh, you know, the, the vehicles themselves are, are, are coming along. I'd, I'd love to be able to see one in person. Yes, we, we'd love to have you uh, come actually visit our uh, our Woburn facility not too far from where you guys are and um, and have you to have a test drive sometime. And we'll keep you posted on our progress as we get our prototypes uh, out there. And we're also looking forward to working with uh, Massachusetts Clean City and uh, you know, being able to, to set up our program um, here in Massachusetts as well as elsewhere uh, in the country. No, it's, it, sound, it sounds great. Well, again, thanks for taking some time out of your Saturday and joining us on North Shore 104.9. Oh, it's my pleasure. Have a great right, day. Take care. Have a great day and a great rest of the weekend. Thanks. Hey, we need to take a break and pay some bills. My name is John Paul. This is the Car Doctor Program. If you have a question about your car or anything automotive or anything, anything in general, give us a call at 800-370-1049. 800-370-1049. Hi folks, this is Gerard Moynihan of Moynihan Lumber. And if you're planning to replace the windows in your home, I have just two words for you. Anderson Windows. Anderson is the most trusted name in windows throughout the United States. See the complete line of Anderson Windows on display at Moynihan Lumber in Beverly, North Reading, and Plastown, New Hampshire, or visit us at MoynihanLumber.com. Moynihan Lumber, we measure up. Count on AAA to protect every piece of your life. AAA has the coverage you need, including 24-7 roadside assistance from trusted AAA technicians in any car you're driving or riding in. Plus, members get great rates on insurance, exciting discounts at hundreds of your favorite brands, travel savings, and much more. All with the peace of mind knowing that AAA has you covered, both on and off the road. Visit aaa.com slash join. That's AAA, aaa.com slash join. Tuscan Village in Salem, New Hampshire is now open. Come join Local Eats with Erica and Donnie this Saturday from 12 to 1 for a live broadcast direct from Tuscan Village in Salem, New Hampshire. Right here on North Shore 1049. Are you looking for extra income and even a generous sign-on bonus? Caring Choice Transportation seeks 7D licensed drivers to join their growing business, transporting children and adults with special needs to area schools and medical appointments. Caring Choice Transportation will assist you with training for the 7D student license. They offer competitive hourly salaries and great hours for drivers, LPNs, and RNs. Details and bonus offer online at CaringChoiceTransportation.com. That's CaringChoiceTransportation.com.
Welcome back to the Car Doctor program on North Shore 104.9. Biff asked me a question during the break. Did I did I miss it? How much do these cars cost? And you know, right now they're saying about twenty thousand dollars. So, um, uh, you know, that's that's a little bit less for the Alpha, a little bit more for the Bravo. Uh, so, uh, but yeah, yeah, no, it's a, a pretty pretty fascinating technology. Um, it's 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 got uh, it's got kind of a real interesting design. Go to indigotech.com to learn more about it. Uh, indigo i n d i g o t e c h dot com, and you can learn all about it. You'll learn about who who was on their team, some of their technology, the Indy Wheel, which is that combination wheel uh, suspension system, which looks fascinating. I remember back. Uh, years and years years ago, I was involved with um, the people from Solectria. They were a couple of MIT grads, and I remember talking to. I wish I could remember the, the one of one of them, and uh, we were talking about this sort of motor based wheel. And back then, much more pre computer than today, because uh, this had to be twenty years ago. Uh, it was. Um, it was sort of like, oh, the you know the technology is way too complicated. But today, with computers and design, uh, building building that suspension system and the motor into a wheel type system, pretty pretty fascinating. And I, I was looking at their leadership, you know, who's who's sort of running the company because you always sort of want to know, you know, who's who's in charge, and. Uh, they have, they have uh, besides Will, who we just talked to, the CEO, um, uh, uh, no, uh, Mark Norman, who, not the golfer, uh, is um, former CEO of Chrysler Canada and former president of Zipcar. So kind of knows his way around vehicle manufacturing. He's on the board of directors and uh, knows his way around vehicle manufacturing and the whole idea of cars on demand. Uh, their uh, chief inventor at Indigo is a guy, Ian Hunter. He's uh, a professor of mechanical engineering and thermodynamics at MIT. And, uh, and also, uh, I think what's kind of interesting on their board of advisors, there's a guy, Harry Campbell. Uh, he's, the, he's, he's a blogger, and it's the rideshare guy. And I know he's uh, he's very popular uh, blogger. So there's there's a there's a lot there's a lot going on in this company. And even though they're still a year plus away from you know having cars on the road, it really looks fascinating. And I I really I really like it when I see somebody sort of throwing a bit of a monkey wrench into uh, you know into what we know every single day. You know, it's it's sort of like, oh yeah, cars are big and heavy, and even electric cars, as efficient as they are, uh, may not be efficient enough. And is there a better way to do it? And as he, as Will brought out, I think was a really good point. Is you know, part of the issue with an electric car is you're using so much energy carrying around the energy. So you're you know, you're carrying around a big heavy battery pack that is in some cases. A structural member of the vehicle. I think the Cadillac Lyric, which has a really big battery uh, battery pack, um, is actually a structural member of the vehicle because they needed to do something with it, and that was kind of one of the ways that they they uh, made 
the vehicle a bit more efficient. But the idea that you're, you know, some of these gigantic battery packs in cars, um, level two charging for the most part needs a 40 amp electrical circuit to run the charger if you're going to charge at home. And, and most people with electric cars are going to charge at home. That's pretty typical of, you know, what we know so far about electric car technology. And, um, the, um, a 40 amp charger for somebody who's charging a, uh, a big battery car like a Tesla takes quite a while to recharge. And some people have, you know, jumped up to higher capacity electric chargers. So they, they run 60, 60 amp services out to their garages or wherever they're parking their cars. Not every household has that type of electrical capacity to be able to put the, you know, another heavy duty circuit that mimic something like your electric dryer or stove or even heavier uh, out to their garage. So the idea that you're going to be able to charge on a more typical level two charge is not going to take a lot of electricity out of your home, I think makes a lot of sense. And for some of these, um, some of these charging stations, some of them are free. So, and that will change over time, but you know, right now, even at AAA, you can pull into the AAA office in Providence and charge up for two hours for free. And after the first two hours, I think it's three bucks a mile, so you can you can charge up and you know do that do that. Um, so I'm sure some of these gig drivers will kind of have that figured out and figure out where to where to charge and and do it the most efficient way. Excuse me, John. Yes, sir. We have our old friend and loyal listener. Robert from Tingsboro, and he's got a question, a couple of questions for you, John, about small utility trailers and regulations. So I wonder if we could get him on. I will try my best with what little I know. How's All, that? Right. All right. Robert, you're there. I'm there. Hey, I'm sure Robert. You know more than I do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, basically, a you know, full-size tow vehicle. If you're towing one of these utility trailers, that say they're only like four feet wide and maybe yep. two or three feet tall. Do they require brake and direction lights on the trailer, or do you use the tow vehicle's lights? Usually, you no, you know, any, anything you tow behind the car has to have has to have uh, brake lights and turn signals, and you know, because you have to you have to um, mount a license plate, so it even has to have right. a license plate light. Yeah, so, oh, yeah, the, yeah. If you have seen some, that's why I asked. But yeah. didn't have lights. You know, they're lucky yeah. they had the, the license plate lamp, but you know, you can see. Yeah. The tow vehicles break and directional lights, so it's yep. not too much of an no, issue. No, it, and in fact, if, um, you know, and it's not, but in fact, if it was a um, uh, commercial vehicle, like say it was a landscape company that had just a little small, you know, 4x4 four four trailer to carry around a, you know, uh, um, you know a lawnmower. Oh, right. uh, yeah, something. Um, they would even have to go through vehicle inspection, but a uh, privately owned utility trailer or cargo trailer doesn't need that but yeah you need to you need to when you have when you tow a trailer you need to have at least a flat four connector that has you know left and right turn signals brake lights and right. you know yeah, they, 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 yeah. like i've seen a lot of them apparently they've been violation yeah yeah and i mean some of what it comes down to is you know they're um you know they're not they're not criminals, I guess. So oh, you know, they probably get kind of left alone. But but even even to the extent of um, you know, if you were if you you know took your truck and you went and got a you know two by ten by twelve and hung it out of the back of your truck, you know, the there's actually requirements about 
you know how much stuff can overhang the back of your vehicle so um so a trailer almost fits into that same category yeah you usually have to flag it if it's like right two or three right feet. yeah yeah so and even at that you're sort of they do it for sort of safety but i i think i think the actual you know when it comes to the rules of that i don't think you're actually supposed to hang something out of the back of your truck more than a couple of feet yeah so probably not. i yeah, mean a lot of yeah. times when i see it i usually change lines Oh yeah, yeah. Because I'm always afraid. I'm always afraid something like that's going to fall out. I was I was behind a I was behind a utility trailer the other day that had it looked like they were uh, picking up scrap wood almost because it was a bunch of you know everything looked old, but it was a bunch of two by fours and two by twelves and you know just a lot of odd pieces of wood and it was strapped down with one strap that was going over the top of a wheelbarrow. And kind of squishing some of it down, and the other strap was basically flapping in the breeze. And I'm like, you know, I don't really like having this guy in front of me. I'm going to no. try to get around him because no, you know, I, yeah, 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 yeah. So, uh, but yeah, you know, and and, uh, and and I think I think sort of you know to go even a little bit further. Some of these bigger trailers, I think, once you get over three thousand pounds, you even need to have trailer brakes. So, but yeah, the little small trailers, and and I have seen. You know, I've seen some of the rental places that they'll, you know, you go get a cement mixer and, you know, they'll, they'll, that hooks on the back of a trailer hitch. And, you know, like, how legal can this be? You know, yeah, even it's though not it's very long. Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but it still is a trailer. And, yeah. and it's my understanding that if it's a trailer, it needs to have trailer lights. And, you know, right. may, and, uh, I know I was I was someplace and somebody had a little tiny trailer like that and they actually had magnetic lights that they would you know they would stick on the back of the trailer when they needed it and took it off when they didn't which would satisfy the law. Yeah, you mentioned that cement mixer. Yeah, those things seem like they'd be an easy tip over. Oh yeah, that, yeah, yeah. And you, and you have to have to wonder. I mean, I I was talking to a woman this week who had she used to tow a ski boat behind her Jeep Grand Cherokee. She was a uh, in in her day she was a uh, big time barefoot skier up in upper state New York and she uh, was going to the lake one day to, to do some practice and um, the trailer hitch, the trailer actually had a defective coupler on it and the trailer came up and actually smashed through the back of her back of her tailgate in her truck so you know trailer towing requires you know there's a certain amount of safety that needs to yeah. take place yeah yeah training yeah. I, mean, yeah, I mean you need oh, yeah. low and wide Yep. You know, so you have yep. Stability, but, yeah. Yeah. And then you need somebody who can back up a trailer, which I readily admit yeah, I can't. Yeah. I, I can't I used do. To practice that. <laughs> yeah. 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 I, Big truck. Uh, I'm talking about yeah, tractor yeah, trailer. Yeah. Yeah. No. A, a guy I know works for uh, works for the Teamsters, and he said, "Hey, if you want to teach me how to, you know, if you want me to teach you how to back up a trailer, just let me know." And and then even Dan Strollo from the In Control Advanced Driver Training Program, they they realized that. Uh, Boats and camping trailers got so popular last year, they actually have a trailer towing course that they do over there. So. Yeah, they really should. I mean, you know, when I used to back up these 53-foot box trucks, they actually seemed to be easier than, you know, trailers for boats and small yeah. campers. Even my tractor, yeah, because they, they come around so slow. Right. But, uh, yeah, yeah, so... It does take a skill and a lot of training. Huh? Yeah, I, yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll leave that to the Teamsters and you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, Bob. Again, John. Thanks. All right. All right. Take care. Great day, Bye -bye. guys. Yeah. All right. 
Hey, I just want to remind you the program is brought to you in part by AAA Northeast. AAA, the company that I have worked for for better than 36 years. Uh, we actually had a little meeting with our CEO. We do that quarterly and, you know, get together and get to chat a little bit. And when I was talking to him, he said, I get a new job for you. And I said, what's that? And he said, uh, you know, in other parts of the world where electric vehicles are really popular, uh, the, the club offices actually offer service where if you're thinking about buying an electric car they they'll have a they'll have one of the club employees go out and test the battery pack and give you an idea how much life is left in the battery pack of the electric vehicle and i said oh thanks thanks for the new job uh i don't think i don't think we're quite there yet to do that but it's always it's always interesting to see how how we you know, look forward and, you know, look at, look at where the future is and where we want to go with it. I mean, we're going to, we're testing out, uh, some electric vehicle recharge systems. So if you like when you run out of gas with a gasoline car, and I think we, uh, we filled up, well, not filled up. We rescued about 25,000 people last year that ran out of gas and we delivered a gallon of gas so they could get to the next gas station. Well, uh, we just ordered some, uh, really unique portable generators made by a company called Blink. And um, they they can recharge about two miles per minute. So it's a pretty substantial generator. And they're quiet and, and they're efficient. And we're going to be able to essentially deliver electricity to people if people with electric cars run out of electricity. So we're always thinking, if you want to join AAA, if you're not a member, uh, it's simple enough. Go to AAA.com slash join. And like Paul from Braintree said to me last week, he sent me an email and said, you know, this new pay-by-the-month system, I upgraded to Plus, and it only cost me another $2 a month. He said, really, really affordable. Thanks for mentioning it on the radio. So, yeah, you can pay, you can do it by the month. And if for some reason you happen to be looking for a job, we always have all kinds of job openings. And if you're a tow truck driver we're looking for tow truck and flatbed drivers especially in the uh boston woburn area uh we're we're looking for drivers and i believe the last i looked there was a 2500 hundred dollar sign-on bonus so if you like if you like to work kind of by yourself you like to be outside you you like to drive maybe look at that too so you can look at the job section when you go to triplea.com we need to take another break my name is john paul this is a car doctor program we will be right back Agway of Danvers is your local stop for anything poultry. I'm Ashley, the chicken expert, and can help you with your growing flock. We carry a wide range of feeders and waterers, organic feeds, and a new hemp bedding. Coops in all different sizes and styles, and in stock now, six-month-old Red Star chickens. They're the best egg layer chicken you can find on the market, and the best part is they're already laying. Besides chickens, we offer loam, mulch, compost, and a variety of other garden annuals and perennials. We do offer a local delivery service in all our products. Visit us at 9 Wenham Street in Danvers. 
Join me, Joe Piantidosi, this coming Sunday morning, 10 a.m., for Breaking Bread, where my guest will be fitness guru Gordy Gronkowski and haberdasher Alan Gibley. That's Breaking Bread this Sunday morning, 10 a.m., right here on North Shore 104.9. Good morning, everyone. I'm Mark Rosenthal with you. Here's your North Shore 1049 forecast serving the North Shore in the Merrimack Valley. Any low clouds or fog where you are early this morning will burn away. Then skies will average partly sunny. It'll be hot, muggy, near 90, a little bit cooler at the beach. Could be a late day shower or thunderstorm. Becoming foggy and muggy overnight near 70. Tomorrow becoming hazy, hot, muggy, low and mid 90s, a little bit cooler at the beach. And you can expect some of the weather here on Monday and Tuesday of next week. Forecast being brought to you by Empire, offering the best CBD products. And they have three convenient locations in northern Mass and southern New Hampshire. Use code MIX for free shipping and 10% off your next order. Online at TeamHempire.com. For local door Shore, 1049, I'm Mark Rosenthal. Caddy with a custom seat, it's leatherette, they're all rolling bleach. Come on, little mama, sit by my side. You and your daddy gonna go for a ride. I'm a hot rod man. I'm a hot rod man. I don't, I don't know, Biff. You're you're all automotive almost. Yeah, yeah. You're really mixing it up yeah, for us here. Figured, yeah. You know, it's called the, the show's called the Car Doctor. I figured at some point I should play some type of bumper music that has something to do with automobiles. <laughs> Or maybe a John. It's simple as this: the heat has got me, and I'm just wacky. Yeah. Well, yeah, you know, it's it's okay. It's okay. So you know, um, I've been playing that yeah. soft jazz that you like so much. I well, I, I happen I happen to like it. You know, especially you know, when it's cold out. You know, something like that's kind of nice. So I was just looking at the looking at the AAA Digest of Motor Laws, where you can. It used to be a physical book, but now it's online. It's called DrivingLaws.AAA.com, and it says, for instance, in Massachusetts, every trailer, every trailer, shall be equipped with two rear lights mounted one at each side of the rear of the vehicle, is to show two red lights from behind, a white light to illuminate and not obscure the rear registration plate, and two stoplights. So. Um, so that would be regardless of size, John? Regardless of size. It just okay. is all trailers. And if you're up in New Hampshire, where Massachusetts had one paragraph, New Hampshire says the tail and tail lamps and reflectors on a trailer may be located at a height of not less than 20 inches from the ground, providing they're placed in such a manner to indicate the extreme width of the vehicle and the load and the visibility of the reflectors is not impaired at any time. It shall be unlawful for any person to pull a trailer unless it's equipped with a stop lamp in working order at all times. It shall be unlawful for any person to pull a trailer registered in New Hampshire, which was manufactured after January 1, 1952, unless such a vehicle is equipped with directional signals. So any trailer that's made after 1952 has to have uh, turn signals. Every trailer, when driven at night, shall have on the rear one lamp displaying a red light visible at a distance of at least a thousand feet a white light illuminating the registration plate of such vehicle and characters shall be visible of at least 50 feet all tail lamps should be mounted at a height of not less than 72 inches nor less than 20 inches from the from the ground on a combination of vehicles only the tail lamp and the rearmost vehicle uh rearmost vehicle need to actually be seen from a specified distance uh every trailer is hemi trailer with a weight of 3000 pounds or more when driven on roads at night shall have displayed on the body or load 
carrying a portion of the vehicle following on each side, one amber uh, light located on the rear of the vehicle, one r red reflector located near the rear. Such reflectors shall be not less than 24 inches or more than 48 inches from the ground. The visibility of any such reflector shall not be impaired at any time. Whew, complicated there. New, right. Jersey, the New Jersey says every trailer is equipped with two tail lamps, two stoplights, two turn signals, two reflectors, one on each side. I kind of like the New Jersey law. It's simple. Right you know, to the, the point. Right to yeah, the point. The, yeah, the New Hampshire one just sounds complicated. Yeah. But, uh, and I'm sure there's other parts, you know, other parts of the country that, um, you know, New York sounds very similar. You know, tail lights, brake lights, license plate lights, turn signals are required. Simple enough. Uh, North Dakota, tail light, brake lights, license plate lights, turn signals, reflectors are required. And then there's, uh, you know, Rhode Island, uh, every trailer or vehicle being drawn at the end of a train of vehicles. Why do they have to talk in, you know, 1800s talk? <laughs> you know, <laughs> every trailer or vehicle being drawn at the end of a train of vehicles must have at least one tail lamp mounted on the rear, which emits a right, a red light plainly visible from a distance of 500 feet. So, you know, going back to what Robert said, I guess a trailer in Rhode Island, technically, I guess, only has to have one light. Every ve every trailer or vehicle being drawn at the end of a train of vehicles, I don't even know what that really means, but it uh, has to have at least one tail lamp mounted on the rear, which emits a red light plainly visible from a distance of 500 feet. So, but, so, but, so for an example, if you were starting in Rhode Island and you went through Massachusetts and then went into New Hampshire, I guess you would have to take the strictest law, the laws from New Hampshire and make sure that you have all of that set because what you can get away with in, in Massachusetts and Rhode Island, you can't get away with in New Hampshire. Would that be correct? I, I, would, I would bet that would be the case if I was, if I was taking my, my uh, one, you know, my, my utility trailer with the one red light in the back of it, towing it behind my train... Oh, whatever, whatever that, that is, <laughs> yeah, uh, towing it behind there. I guess, in fact, you would need to have, um, you, you know, you, you'd go into Massachusetts and you, you know, pull up to the, you know, pull up to a light, and there was a police officer behind you. And went, well, wait a minute, wait a minute. And if you said, uh, well, yeah, in Rhode Island it's legal, and they're like, eh, Massachusetts it isn't. So, but it's registered in Rhode Island. Yeah, but you're driving in Massachusetts. So my advice. So that anybody, argument that argument wouldn't fly, right? So meaning, I, I got R Rhode Island plates. I am going by that state's requirement. Yeah, but, but no, that wouldn't fly because now you're in Massachusetts. Yeah, yeah. I I I have to think it's you know the the same of um, you know of of any of the rules that vary from state to state. So yeah, I would I would I would think the common sense solution here, if it's if someone is thinking about a a you know pop-up camping trailer, a boat trailer, a utility trailer, a cargo trailer. Make sure it has lights and they all work and they blink left and they blink right and when you step on the brake they all come on and it's got a license plate and a license plate light. And I think you'll be safe in every single state. Just go by Mass uh, go by New Hampshire and I think you'll have everything covered. Yeah. Yeah, New Hampshire's kind of complicated. I would I would go by uh, you know say say I was driving to South Carolina, you know. 
It, South Carolina says a taillight, license plate, and brake lights are required. Turn signals and reflectors are also required. So, again, you know, I don't think you can go wrong just making sure everything looks like, everything on your trailer looks like the back of your car. That's what I think. All right. Hey, before we have to take another break here, I want to talk about a car that got me around a couple weeks ago. And it is the Hyundai Tucson Hybrid with all-wheel drive. The Hyundai Tucson is a compact SUV that competes with the Honda CRV or Toyota RAV4 or Ford Escape. The Tucson comes uh, in a variety of trims and models. There are 10 models, actually, from the base trim, hybrid, plug-in hybrid, sporty, and line. Our road test was in the, the Tucson Limited with the hybrid drivetrain. Unlike the base model that uses a 2.5-liter normally aspirated engine, the hybrid uses a 1.6-liter turbocharged engine. All-wheel drive is standard with the hybrid or plug-in hybrid models. Uh, all other models are front-wheel drive, and all-wheel drive is an option. The interior of the Tucson is modern with a clean design. There's a push-button shifter that works really well, although I still prefer kind of the conventional shifter. The large touchscreen is bright and combines infotainment and climate control. Where other Hyundai models use knobs for the radio, the Tucson uh, has it as part of the touchscreen, which is kind of funny. Uh, Hyundai, I think, was... And their and their premium company Genesis were going to more knobs and buttons and less away from touchscreen. In this model, they went more touchscreen. In my opinion, they went a little bit backwards. Um, other than that, the uh, the display works really well. It doesn't wash out in bright sunlight. Uh, it incorporates uh, blind spot mirrors, or as I wrote here, bling spot mirrors. I was just reading my notes. Uh, the use of the left and right turn signal displays what's um, uh, there's cameras mounted so when you use the left turn signal the speedometer turns into a little display screen and you can see what's by the left of the car you use your right turn signal the tachometer displays what's on the right side really uh, really kind of nice the Honda had that with just the right side lane watch and they discontinued it, but Hyundai is using it on both sides, and I really like it. The front seats were quite comfortable and supportive with a combination of tilt and telescoping steering wheel. Should fit drivers of just about any size. The rear seat is roomier than the outgoing version, as is the cargo area. Performance from the hybrid drivetrain is quite good. The combined power output from the engine and electric motor is 226 uh, horsepower and, and a pretty gutsy 258 foot-pounds of torque, or pound-feet, depending on which side of the country you're on. Uh, Six-speed automatic transmission nicely matches the engine and just feels better than a CVT, the continually variable transmission that's in some other hybrids. Um, push on the accelerator, engine comes to life. There's no, because it's a hybrid, when it shuts off at a light, it, it you don't notice. It's nice. The steering's not quite as sharp as some of the competitors, but still pretty good for an SUV. Uh, EPA gas mileage, 37 in the city, and 36 on the highway. I average just about 40 miles per gallon, actually. Uh, front and rear braking distance warning uh, system, driver monitor system. It kept telling me I needed to take a break. Um, apparently, I must look sleepy when I'm driving. Uh, one feature or novelty, depending on your point of view, is the remote smart park, smart, smart park assist. Easy for you to say, Biff. Smart park assist. Um, which, um, with the key fob, allows you to back up or drive the car forward without being in it. So, do you ever come, you know, go to get in your car and you're parked in a shopping mall or something, and you know somebody parked six inches away from your driver's yeah, door? Yeah, you can, yeah, 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 yeah. You can push a button and the car will back up. 
So you don't have to climb through the window. On the you don't side. have to climb through the window. Now, I don't know how much of a, in a practical nature, how, how usable that is, but it is pretty entertaining to show it to people. I used it, I, I went out to dinner one night uh, a couple <laughs> weeks ago, and someone parked relatively close to me, but not bad. I mean, I could certainly get in without dinging their door or anything, but I was there and there was a, um, I hit the button and the car started. I hit the other button and all of a sudden it's like beep, 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 and it started backing up. And uh, the people coming out of the restaurant were like, what the heck is going, there's nobody in that car. It was it was it, it was it was pretty entertaining, but again, I don't know how practical that is. Um, but the 2022, and this was a 2022 Hyundai Tucson with its contemporary design, premium safety features, outstanding fuel economy, is now uh, setting the standard for compact SUVs. I, I think adding the Hyundai's legendary warranty, uh, the, the Tucson is a winner. We need to take another break. My name is John Paul. This is the Car Doctor Program. We'll be right back. everyone, I'm Mark Rosenthal. Here is today's North Shore 1049 Beach and Boating Forecast being brought to you by Obishan Hardware. For the Mariners today, southwest winds 10 to 15 knots, turning south 15 to 20 knots this afternoon, gusts 25 knots. We have a high tide coming up in Gloucester at 839 this morning. Seas 2 to 4 feet, visibility starting off low this morning, gradually improving. Water temps in the 50s at the beach, morning fog, afternoon sun, warm, actually rather hot, 77 to 86, a tanning factor of 9. Please don't forget the sunscreen. That's my beach and boating forecast. I'm Mark Rosenthal. Have you tried shopping with Obershawn Hardware online? Whether at home, on your boat, or at the beach, it's easy and convenient to order things you need right at hardwarestore.com. Plus, when you order online for the first time, you'll save 10% up to $10. And who wouldn't like an extra 10 bucks in their pocket? So the next time you need a few things, just visit hardwarestore.com, place your order, and choose in-store pickup or curbside. It's easy. Obershawn Hardware will fix you right up. Count on AAA to protect every piece of your life. AAA has the coverage you need, including 24-7 roadside assistance from trusted AAA technicians in any car you're driving or riding in. Plus, members get great rates on insurance, exciting discounts at hundreds of your favorite brands, travel savings, and much more. All with the peace of mind knowing that AAA has you covered, both on and off the road. Visit aaa.com slash join. That's AAA, aaa.com slash join. Tuscan Village in Salem, New Hampshire is now open. Come join Local Eats with Erica and Donnie this Saturday from 12 to 1 for a live broadcast direct from Tuscan Village in Salem, New Hampshire. Right here on North Shore 1049. At Atlanta Sports Club, their goal is for you to succeed in achieving optimum health and wellness for you and your family. Whether you're new to fitness, a seasoned athlete, getting back into swimming, or just want to relax, Atlanta Sports Club is a clean gym with great amenities in the heart of Danvers, located at the Doubletree Hotel. They're accepting new members now, so come for a tour of their free weight workout room, cardio room, indoor swimming pool with jacuzzi, sauna, and steam room. Make 2021 time for you and your family to be healthy at Atlantis. For more details, go to atlantasportsclub.com. 
This is Aurelia Nelson. We are back. Things are opening up, and it's time to talk about arts on the air. Find out who's opening, what's going on, what you can do, how to access all the great local performance and artistic and cultural events happening all over the North Shore. Tune in Sunday mornings at 11 a.m. for Arts on the Air. Well, I think it was called Signal Flare Red. It wasn't Cherry Red Mustang Ford. I called it Ford Mustang, but... But uh, to make the, the, the lyric work, he had, yeah, to, he had yeah. to switch it. To switch it up so it's easy, to, it's easy to rhyme Cherry Red Mustang Ford than... Yeah, Ford yeah. probably rhymes easier anyway. So. But you had yeah. one. Yeah, I had... Well, when I was 17 or 18... Uh, was it I, was it a, a manual transmission? It was a manual transmission, and it was a convertible. Wow! Yeah, that, you must have been the cool kid. Um, yeah, it broke it broke down a lot, but yeah, it was I was I was you know, and I think I paid I think I paid eight hundred dollars for it, and like most things that I own, I think I sold it for five hundred when I was done. So. Yeah, wow, yeah, nice. Yeah, I'm, not, I'm, I'm, you know, don't ever come to me for financial advice. You can ask me. You can ask me. You know what electric vehicle you want to buy or what gasoline vehicle or what trailers need trailer lights but don't ask me for financial advice i'm just not good at no that. leave that to mark friedman here right on yeah right here on yeah, show 104.9 yeah. sundays think, at eight o'clock i think that's a good idea and hey i just heard that commercial from uh, erica about uh, her and donnie are going to be up at the tuscan village in salem new hampshire doing doing a uh of live remote, remote up there yeah. local eats with erica and donnie 12 There's, to 1 12 to 1. And coming up right after us is uh, Real Estate Revealed with, uh, with Dave Seymour. buddy Dave Seymour. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah. we're, we're so. loaded up here this afternoon. Oof. And uh, that means you're, you're working late. You're on overtime. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be working a little bit late here. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's yeah. great, though. It's going to be fun. It's going to be fun. Yeah, I, well. It's be fun working with uh, uh, Eric and Donnie again. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. sure. And that's the, yeah. the premiere of the new show. So, yeah, no, yeah. it's good, good stuff. So, hey, I just, uh, I just saw something that was pretty interesting. It said, uh, Ford Motor Company introduced a low cost air filtration system and it, it's designed to try to keep air circulating inside classrooms. And it says it, uh, they donated nearly 20,000, uh, of these, they call them scrappy filtration kits, consisting of a, a standard-sized 20-inch box fan, a filter, easy-to-assemble cardboard base. And what they're doing is they're giving them the kids in school with a little bit of direction to assemble them so they can filter all the air out of their classrooms. So, you know, keep any chance of COVID down in classrooms. So, kind of a neat thing that Ford does. It follows that sort of Apollo project sort of idea. So, hey, that music means we got to go. Biff, as always, great job at your end. Thank you for being there. Uh, and uh, enjoy the rest of your weekend, even though you're working a little bit later. But enjoy the rest of your weekend. Well, well, and to thank our, you, John. Right back at you. Our yeah, and to our listener family, as always, wear your seatbelt, drive safely, be good to your car. Talk to you all soon. Bye-bye.